Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening. More companies are offering cloud-based software for their additive systems. This software is supposed to make working with additive systems more efficient, more cost-effective, while enhancing collaboration between design development and manufacturing teams. Today, Hardik Kabaria, the Director of Software Engineer focused on R&D and Carbon, joins me to discuss the developments and trends in cloud-based software. So thank you for joining me today, Hardik. Yeah, thank you for having me. So first of all, let's start with maybe a, a simple, maybe not so simple, but an obvious question. What's new in this area? Oh, well, additive design and software. I think it's, it's actually a pretty hot area, uh, but I could be biased because I'm in it. Uh, but I think um, in more ways than one, um, the additive is picking up and more and more engineers are getting introduced to it. The engineers that are working in the field, I think ASME estimates that 88% uh, of the engineers in some form or way use uh, 3D printing, whether it's for prototyping, bridge manufacturing, actual manufacturing of the parts. So given there are more engineers who are thinking 3D printing as a real toolkit, uh, more design tools uh, are bubbling up because they want to support them. These tools will support these engineers to make amazing parts and actually take advantage of uh, the manufacturing platform that 3D printing is. And again, we sort of gloss over quite often 3D printing as one manufacturing technology, but as we all know, there is a whole lot of thing underneath it. Each of the processes are different. There are changes, there is, things are different at the plastic and metal level and every process underneath that. So there is a lot of opportunity to create an amazing software in the CAD and CAE world to help these engineers create parts. So I think as the processes are maturing, more parts are going out as production parts through these processes. It's a pretty exciting time to be creating tools to help these engineers, whether it's for computer design or computer manufacturing. Would you say that these tools are kind of at maybe a new beginning stage? Are they in a middle stage? Are they in a very mature stage? Kind of where would you rank a lot of these? So mm -hmm. That's a great question. I'm, I'm sure additive manufacturing community and our design community as general, we think about it a lot. I certainly wouldn't say we are mature state because the mature state for me is at least we can think about it, the standard tools like SolidWorks, Katia, Creo being used by the industry day in, day out for design. And then you have ANSYS, Abacus, Nastran performing simulations on those. And then there is the manufacturing side of it, right? So there are tools for the sort of traditional manufacturing methods that are very well understood, figured out, and that's the mature state in my mind. Additive manufacturing is in my mind still in a very early stage. I said early stage because there are some amazing innovation that has happened on the software side that is allowing us to create amazing designs. Um, we can think about lattices as one particular innovation because of course that's what my team and us at Carbon have focused on. But the current set of tools that are out there cannot support generating lattices. So we have to innovate. Uh, we didn't only innovate on, as an industry as a whole, we just didn't innovate on how to draw lattices, or all the different types of lattices that can be, what are the different performances of it, or when to use which lattice type. But all the sort of software that underlies it is being innovated, I would say, as we speak. I don't think it's done. Once it gets to the mature state, in my, the next stage in my mind is making it, these tools easier and easier in terms of accessibility. That means any engineer who may not even have a lot of background on 3D printing can at least use these tools easily. Then they should be able to make some parts. Let it be simple enough to get started on it. 
And then comes the idea of all the things we, we, one would have to do to optimize those designs for any particular manufacturing process. That in my mind is sort of the middle age. And then the final state is when everything is, is workflow optimized. That means the users are not going through three different tools. Everything is connected. There are plugins everywhere. And I still think we are far from that. We are in the place where we are innovating on the core technology about what lattices are, how to generate lattices, and how to help users pick the right lattices with the minimum design iterations. Can the simulation software handle performing mechanical perform simulations on these lattices. So I would say we are in that stage. And it's exciting, of course, for, uh, for me, because um, there, is a, there are a lot of unsolved problems and mm. it can lead to pretty interesting impact Then impact in all of our mind at carbon and industry across is, let's create amazing parts using this new way to manufacture things. So that's where we are all trying to create impact. So to, to get into the mid stage, to even get into the advanced stage, is there something technological that needs to happen? Is there something from a hardware standpoint that needs to happen? Is there maybe computational? Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great question. We have we have spent quite a bit of time on both of that. So I think there are two parts of it, the software and the hardware. And you're touching on the right stuff. For example, let's just talk about the software first. Um, when we realize that you have these lattice structures often have a lot many like uh, design complexity and design complexity, the industry as well as carbon, we think about the number of parts you have. So if you have a lattice, let's say a midsole or a, a helmet or a saddle, it easily has 40, 50,000 struts, even if we just think about a lattice made out of beams. Right. So this is a, you can say the vanilla flavor of lattice, specialized saddle, CCM helmets, they would easily have 10 to 40,000 different primitives. Now, this is significantly higher than the number of primitives that you would see in the designs made for traditional manufacturing. So you have higher complexity on the number of geometry that you have to deal with. And the industry, including us, we have innovated on how to represent these things more efficiently, not just represent them as triangles, for example, and you have to deal with all of that. The second thing that has happened is a significant push towards robustness. So we have several cases where we are working and supporting customers for customized manufacturing, whether it's for helmets or thermoforming aligners. And when you have custom uh, customized manufacturing, the data is captured in some way, whether it's from iPhone scan or your dent um, dental lab scanner, there are a lot of issues with the data. I think data will have holes. Uh, your triangle mesh is not clean. It's not manifold. So then that whole idea has pushed the software in this industry to create tools that are way more robust. Simple at Carbon, we take pride in the way we slice these objects. We are able to deal with the parts that have holes. That means we will figure out a way to create a manifold out of a non-manifold input. Then we would lattice them or then we would slice them. That is a software part. I think there's an active innovation here. Uh, algorithms being developed, I would say, state of the art is changing every month. So that's pretty exciting. I would certainly say carbon, we are also trying is the forefront of it. And the hardware part, which is now you have a lot more data to handle with. Can we use GPU to make the processing faster? I think that's a great question. I would certainly point to Anthropology and a few other companies that have done great in that area. They have started use, utilizing GPU very, very efficiently. We at Carbon are also going in the same direction. So I think there is, we will see innovation on both fronts, software as well as hardware 
And that is what is going to take us to the middle age where it is easy to use these tools for any engineer who may not have background in 3D printing. Yeah, that's kind of going to be my next question. Like how would these tools, would they fit in with current CAD programs or current other software design programs? Would they not? Is there some interaction or would they be able to be something that the, the designer can just use simply easily just by clicking buttons to go from one point to another? So I think the clicking button part might be a little bit far, but certainly at the stage where you can download a save the file format in a particular format on a particular tool, and then you upload it to a different tool, you operate on it, then you, you sort of go to the different tool, you operate on it. So clearly this is not an optimized workflow because you are working in SOLIDWORKS, then you could be working in design engine or some other software that is helping you generate lattices, but you like the lattice, now you've designed it, you want to do something else, you might have to go back and forth, right? And finally, you will have a design that you will put it on a printer, right? And press print and something will happen, the part comes out. And at that point, you might even have to go across organization because it's not the same team that is doing manufacturing. You might be sending it to your CM or if you have in-house, you might have a manufacturing team. So clearly those touch points are not as optimized and not flawless by any means yet. And I think there are several pieces to it. One is because the tools are still emerging, it's difficult to create like an ecosystem just yet. It's possible to create plugins and I'm sure everybody's thinking about it. Though I think at least our philosophy at Carbon has been before we create the workflow optimization, let's make sure that the parts that are being designed on design engine, the largest parts we are creating are good enough so they are superior in terms of business or performance logic. And I'm happy to expand what I mean by those two things. So that it's gonna be painful in the short term, hmm. but you still get benefit out of it. That means at the end, you as our, as our customer are putting a kick-ass product in the market that you feel proud of, that you know you cannot make any other way. And hence, maybe that pain is worth it um, because we did enable to create a superior product. And the examples are countless from helmets to saddles. These are not just a replacement uh, foam or replacement of a traditional design. They are superior in some way. They could be superior in terms of performance or they could be superior in terms of customization, right? Which is difficult to achieve any other way. And that is sort of our philosophy right now. Let's just focus on getting the maximum number of parts out there in the shortest amount of time um, while maybe living through a little bit of a pain of not so optimized workflow. So go ahead and, and uh, expound a little bit on the, the business and the optimized performance levels that you mentioned. For sure. So one in my mind is, is performance sort of simple to think about. Let's say we wanted to achieve a particular energy absorption performance, right? For a helmet. And you wanted to do that with this keeping the helmet volume the same so you don't want to make a bigger helmet you want to keep the mass the same so you don't want to make a heavier helmet but you want to achieve a better energy absorption then you could use lattices especially alongside elastomers because uh, lattices and elastomer could create a competing meta material together that would outperform foam and this has been happening on several fronts with our, our customers, Rydal and CCM, and they have showcased that it's possible to do that. Similarly, imagine if you wanted to achieve a sort of cushioning response. That means you have a bike saddle and you don't want to just create a bike saddle with 3D printing so it look aesthetically cool. 
for sure you should do that. But you also want to do it so that you reduce the peak pressure at the sit bones. So now it's academia has explored this quite a bit to understand that if you create many, many different types of foam layered into a bike saddle, it's possible to do that. But then it will create a nightmare of the manufacturing assembly. Nightmare in terms of cost. Now you have not four zones of foam, you will have like tens. But that is super easy to achieve if you wanted to do that with smoothly transitioning lattice structures in a single bike saddle. And now you can achieve that big jump in performance improvement, like 10 to 20% better stress reduction, right? That means the rider weight is the same, the height of the saddle is the same, the weight of the saddle is the same, but you are creating a better product. So that in my mind is the performance logic aspect of it. The business logic aspect comes in two ways. Because you are designing on the means of manufacturing, that means you're designing parts, let's say using lattice structures and elastomer materials for with carbon, and you're printing on a carbon machine during the prototyping phase. So you create this design, you test it out. You can do this so fast because you are, you are not needing to create like a mold to test three or four different foam molded designs over the course of 18 months. You can do 70 iterations in three months. So the product development cycle is shorter. And it is shorter for two reasons. One is, of course, you are using printer to prototype and the same printer at CM is available to do manufacturing. And the second is the design is digital. That means you change your lattice parameters by click of a button, you get a slightly different designs. Yet I, the workflow between like designing the primitive and the CAD of SolidWorks and generating lattice is gonna be painful, but it's still faster to iterate. And we have showcased that with our customers that you can reduce the, the product conceptualization to sort of prototype and manufacturing time significantly. So that means you are able to put more product in the market faster if you utilize these technology platform. And that is your business logic. Second, you can add more SKUs. You are now not restricted to offering just three sizes. You can offer five. So it's not you, and in my mind, it's there are a lot of, there's a whole scale between sort of N of one or three t-shirt sizes to 50 SKUs and N of one full mass customization. And in my mind, that is the business logic. Let the, the product companies, the one that own the product be in the decision and driving seat to figure out what's right for what customer segment. But technology platform as additive manufacturing coupled with these digital design tools, certainly like Carbon's design engine, you can merge them to have more flexibility, more seasonality to your product. And this certainly helps in medical device segment as well as consumer products. So you don't necessarily have to generalize too much and have sort of one size fits all approach. So I would say that's the business logic. Okay, now I know that some people are gonna be wanting to know about this when will this kind of software become open source? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. I think that part, I would say it's happening for sure. There are, even if we just pick like lattice related tools, there are several specifically, I would certainly point to enterprise and say they are not tied up to any particular manufacturing process. And the same way we have developed design engines certainly has been heavily, heavily influenced by DLS, Carbon's manufacturing process, because it's happened in-house. But the tool as it's launched, and we'll be announcing general availability right soon after this, is not tied up to any particular process. So that means you can design a lattice structure in the design engine pro and download the STL file, and you can choose to put it on any printing process of your liking. 
So yes, it is becoming more agnostic and we at Carbon are certainly part of that because we believe not every material, not every process need to be tied up to this. Of course, there are some baked assumptions around it and that helps. So when you develop this process, these tools close to a manufacturing process, of course, it is somewhat a little more optimized for that. And it happens inherently, but at the same time, we are being very cautious to say if there existed a user who wanted to use the Design Engine Pro and extend its capability to a metal AM part, we are happy to jump on call and help you figure out all the things that you may run into problems because we certainly want to enable you to do that. Okay, so what excites you the most about all of these software developments coming up? I still stay pretty excited about the applications because I think the software is a tool to accelerate the product design needs to manufacturing. And I'll, I'll give an example that has still to date astonished myself because I've been working for Carbon since 2015. I didn't have an additive manufacturing background before, but since then I have been sort of living, breathing lattice structures in one form or another. But that means I'm also always on the lookout for what places where you could apply lattice structures, where, you know, other, so it, it would create a better logic, better business or performance logic. During COVID, we all ran into the shortage of COVID-19 swaps. Swaps is one thing I would have never in my dreams imagined being made with 3D printing or certainly have lattice being any useful. Yet um, the shortage and breaking of supply chain sort of demanded that need. 3D printing community as a whole came together, Carbon, us, including myself, we played a role in it. We were at Carbon able to design the swab. And within 20 days, we did a clinical trial at Beth Israel Dickens Medical Center at Harvard, at Stanford. We proved that the swab is as good as the gold standard swab. And it was in use at hundreds of clinical institutions. Um, and it was produced using the same printer, using the same design engine, and the same materials that are already validated. So the, in my mind, at least for me, the moral of the story is there are more applications out there than any one human or one organization can ever think of. So if we, and those, these situations are quite sort of, they are moving very fast. That's what's happened in COVID. You, you, everybody has realized that the faster you do the product development, there is need and the business logic and product sell opportunities. And the better the tools are, the more applications you can reach. So what excites me the most is as these tools get, are at least our tools going out of the door, I think we'll enable an ecosystem of engineers to find more applications that they can put in production. Whether it's once in a year or it's a recurring product for tens of years, it doesn't matter. We just want to enable engineers to put more products in manufacturing on any additive manufacturing platform. So in my mind, that's the most exciting part. And the more complex things they want to do, they are going to push our buttons on the software. So I'll sort of tie it back there, as in they would say, now we have high resolution printer. I'm not even saying who develops it. Let's say they develop one micron resolution printer somewhere. That means now it's not 10,000 structs. Maybe they can handle a million structs. Sure. So that's going to put a bottle pressure back on the software development. And it should. And that's what excites me too, because it's an amazing challenge. All righty. Well, I thank you very much for your time, Hardik. It's been a pleasure. Of course.